Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today is Friday, November 6, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Georgia. Ooh, huge, huge, huge lead now for Joe Biden. He now leads in Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania. Trump team, boy, they are trying to go to court, stop everything from being counted. 
Well, they want to stop Georgia and Pennsylvania. They want to keep counting in Arizona and Nevada because he's down in both of those states. Now they're trying to go to the Supreme Court to stop any ballots from being received in Pennsylvania. We'll talk with Christian Clark with the uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law about all of these legal battles. Also, we'll talk with Georgia State Senator-elect Kim Jackson, Gwinnett County D Democratic County Chair uh, Bianca Keaton, and Congressman Hank Johnson about how the Peach State could very well deliver the election to Joe Biden. And in Pennsylvania, former Mayor Michael Nutter joins us to talk about Pennsylvania. Uh, and also Black Caucus member Representative Jake Wheatley of Pittsburgh. And I will deconstruct some comments made by BET founder Bob Johnson on CNBC today, where he argued that essentially Donald Trump is better for black people economically than Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Democrats. Y'all want to wait for that one. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. All right, folks, you may have woke up this morning and saw that Joe Biden blew past Donald Trump in Georgia, pretty much giving him the election. Now, if you look at our number here, we show the bottom of our screen, 264 to 214. So Associated Press, other networks, they have not called Georgia. They have not called Pennsylvania. They have not called Arizona uh, for Joe Biden. But any one of those three states puts him over the top for the presidency. Trump campaign, not happy at all. They are angry. They are sitting here uh, mounting people different places. They've got them gathered different places. I mean, it's all kind of drama because they can't handle what has happened with the voters. Now they're throwing out everything. They're saying, oh, my goodness, voter integrity, uh, that there was rampant cheating going on. No evidence whatsoever. Like, literally, no evidence whatsoever. Uh, and so this this has been going on the last 48 hours. It's ramping up and they're getting more desperate. They're getting more desperate because as each hour goes by, they aren't making up the lead uh, when it comes to uh, that Joe Biden has. And so they're constantly, constantly uh, trying to sow seeds of doubt in this election. Uh, but the problem is it's not working. It's not working because voters have indeed spoken. And so uh, what, what we are doing is focused on, again, what the facts are and where they stand right now. Biden is leading in all of those different states. Joining us right now is Kristen Clark. She, of course, leads the largest Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Uh, Kristen, now all of a sudden the Biden folks want to go, excuse me, the Trump folks want to go to the Supreme Court, which gave them a glimmer of hope by saying uh, in, the, in the previous ruling, saying, hey, come back after the election. So they want to go to Supreme Court to suggest that that what they, they are trying to argue that the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, which is supposed to govern 
Pennsylvania state laws, they were wrong to extend the uh, dates that ballots could come in because of COVID, saying, no, only the legislature could have done that. And you've got Brett Kavanaugh, and you likely have four justices. So we'll see if Amy Coney Barrett uh, weighs in on this, who want to argue that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court was wrong, but it's just very interesting, like, all of a sudden, that a Supreme Court of a state is not responsible for state decisions. Now the feds want to intervene. Just your thoughts about this whole mess. Um, so I, I, I think I heard most of what you, what, you, what you said. And what I can say is there is a lot of frivolous litigation happening right now, Roland. Uh, a lot of frivolous litigation. But I feel like we can't take uh, it for granted. We have to take these cases seriously and fight until they are dismissed. Uh, and so what we're doing right now is you, last night, along with our partners, we moved and filed an amicus brief in one of these cases pending in Pennsylvania, where they are trying to uh, cancel out certain provisional ballots and cancel out mail ballots where voters got notice of a small error and an opportunity to cure and fix the problem. We know that their cases uh, filed in Nevada. We know that there's a case at the Supreme Court where at least a handful of justices have indicated, we can't decide this issue now, but come back to us later and we might revisit this issue. And that's a case involving Pennsylvania. So we're still fighting tooth and nail, Roland, and we're gonna fight until the bitter end. We're gonna take these cases for what they are. Uh, they are frivolous, but they must be defeated and beat back. And we're also working to make sure that voters who cast a provisional or paper ballot on Tuesday know the steps that they have to take to make sure that those provisional ballots count. Some of the margins in these elections are narrow, and it's not just the presidential election that's up. It's all those races down the ballot. So our work from the very beginning of this election season has been a fight to ensure that every vote counts, and we're going to continue that work until we reach the bitter end. And we know that there's a runoff uh, awaiting us in, in January in Georgia. And so our work continues. Our work continues, Roland. The, the, the thing that, that is, is crazy about this, I mean, the, they are throwing everything out. And they're walking. At, at one point, they stood in front of their Christian and lied by saying that uh, Republican observers were not allowed to watch the ballots being counted in Pennsylvania. Then the lawyers going to court admit, yeah, we do have observers there. All right. Uh, so, Christian, can you hear me now? Uh, what's going on? Guys, if you could uh, find out what's happening so Christian can actually hear me uh, with the questions. Uh, so come back to me in a second uh, and let me know um, Christian, if, 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 if we got that fixed. So, uh, so, so folks, just, just so setting this whole thing up again. Where we stand right now is uh, Team Trump is desperate. They're desperate to go to court. Donald Trump said he was going to do this. They want to win this in the courts. They don't want all votes counted. They are trying to desperately invalidate as many votes as possible. That's what they're doing. That's the game that, that, that's the game that they're playing right now. Uh, and so uh, what we have to understand what we have to understand is going on here is that they are going to try this over and over and over again. All right, we have Christian Clark there. Christian, here's a, can you hear me now? Yes. All right, here's a perfect example 
of what we're talking about. They, have, they stood in front of cameras and lied, saying observers were not allowed to uh, watch the county in Philadelphia. But when their attorneys went to court, where you can't lie to the judge, they admitted the observers were actually watching the ballots being counted. Exactly. Uh, and it's an incredibly transparent process. There are poll watchers, there are authorized individuals who are overseeing these counts. And we need to step back and let election officials do their job. We know that there were operatives who had a, a, a page up on Facebook recruiting people to go out and cause chaos, disruption, and obstruction during these count operations. These are individuals who have no business and no authority to be at these counts. They're protesting. Uh, they're causing fear for the people who are, uh, you know, working day and night to count the historic number of ballots uh, that have been cast in this historic election. So it, in my view, it's not over until it's over. Uh, you know, we reached out to Twitter yesterday and told them that we want them to suspend Donald Trump's Twitter account because right now he is spreading disinformation about, election, about our election in ways that uh, prove harmful uh, to the public. Uh, we were glad to see that Facebook pulled down this page that was being used to recruit operatives to go out and cause chaos during the count operations. But if you dig deep, the count is being carried out in the most transparent way possible. You can literally, literally watch some of the live feeds while these counts are happening. In many states, there are equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans overseeing the counts, and we just need to let them finish their job. And they're getting pretty close. This was an election where we said that patience would, would be necessary because of the historic numbers of mail ballots. And so we're going to keep working and keep fighting until we reach the bitter end. We know that President Trump, part of his goal was to go to court and, you know, uh, claim that this was a fraudulent election. And so we are intervening in those cases. We're weighing in when we can, and we're fighting to make sure that we get a fair outcome. And we're fighting to make sure that black voters who participated in historic numbers in this election, particularly through mail ballots, we're fighting to make sure that their voices are heard, Roland. And, and, and look, I mean, uh, organizations like yours, y'all were prepared for this moment. Y'all sure. knew this was coming. We were. And let me tell you, we drafted the court papers. We vetted lawyers. We were ready to go into court in, at the state level, at the federal level. We knew this was coming. And so we have been ready and we are weighing in where it makes, uh, where it is appropriate for us to weigh in. We're watching what's happening at the Supreme Court and we will fight until the bitter end. And I just want folks who are watching to know that if you cast a provisional ballot on Tuesday, that there may be steps that you have to take to ensure that your ballot counts. I want people to know that if you're watching and you cast a mail ballot and they sent you notice about a minor error, that you should follow through and take steps to make sure that your mail ballot counts. We want, at the end of the day, for every eligible voter who participated in this historic election to be on record, to be on record and to have their, their ballot cast and be a part of that final count. All right, then. Kristen uh, Clark with Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much. And call 866-OUR-VOTE. We're working seven days a week right now to help voters. 866-687-8683. Thank you, Roland. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, folks. Uh, it, it has been...
uh, it, it's been a crazy day. It's been a crazy day uh, watching all this stuff play out, uh, watching the back and forth, the back and forth. Of course, people waiting for the count. But let me tell you something. One of the best things we heard today, y'all, this, this was the mayor of Philadelphia uh, who uh, had this to say to Donald Trump. You know, I think what the president needs to do is, frankly, put his big boy pants on. He needs to acknowledge the fact that he lost, and he needs to congratulate the winner, just as Jimmy Carter did, just as George H.W. Bush did, and, frankly, just as Al Gore did, and stop this and let us move forward as a country. And that's my feeling. I doubt he'll listen to me, but that's it. But that's, we know that's not what he's going to do because uh, he's too arrogant to do so. In fact, uh, just a few moments ago, let me show you what, what, uh, what, what he actually tweeted. Uh, because, you know, not, now all of a sudden, you know, he wants to have a, a different sort of tone. But forget that we ain't listening to it. So, uh, so watch this here. So look, look at these tweets. Um, six hours ago, with the attack by the radical left Dems on the Republican Senate, the presidency becomes even more important. Dan, five hours ago. Where are the missing military ballots in Georgia? What happened to them? Okay, Donald, let me help you out, Donald. Um, military ballots are mailed in. Your post office screwed it up. So stuff is getting delivered late because of DeJoy. And the military ballots are going to be counted. Oh, I'm sorry. Why are you begging for military ballots? Because Biden is leading you by almost 2,000 votes in Georgia. And apparently there's some 8,300 military ballots that are going to be coming in. And you're desperate. You're hoping that those military ballots gives you the lead back in Georgia. But y'all watch this one here. This is the tweet he sent out 28 minutes ago. Joe Biden should not wrongfully claim the office of the president. I can make the, that claim also. Legal proceedings are just now beginning. Dude, just stop. Just stop it. Just stop it. But again, the incessant whining uh, by Donald Trump is just, it's just hilarious to me. Uh, because what, what he wants, y'all, what, what he wants is he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. He knows he's lost. And he's desperate. He's lost and he's desperate. What he doesn't want is for this to happen. In fact, uh, Joe Biden did address the nation today. It wasn't all about the election stuff. It was also about uh, COVID-19. This is him and Senator Kamala Harris in Delaware. Good afternoon, folks. Senator Harris and I just completed a briefings on both COVID and the economic crisis facing this nation. And we're reminded again of the severity of this pandemic. Cases are on the rise nationwide, and we're nearing 240,000 deaths due to COVID. And our hearts go out to each and every family that has lost a loved one to this terrible disease. In America, the vote is sacred. It's how people of this nation express their will. And it is the will of the voters. No one, not anything else, that chooses the President of the United States of America. So, each ballot must be counted. And that's what we're going to see going through now. 
and that's how it should be. Democracy is sometimes messy. It sometimes requires a little patience as well. But that patience has been rewarded now for more than 240 years with a system of governance that's been the envy of the world. And we continue to feel, Senator and I, we continue to feel very good about where things stand. We have no doubt that when the count is finished, Senator Harris and I will be declared the winners. So I ask everyone to stay calm, all the people yeah, to ahead. stay calm. The process is working. The count is being completed. And uh, we'll know very soon. So thank you all for your patience. But we have to count the votes. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you so much. That was uh, Joe Biden uh, speaking today uh, to the nation. Uh, the uh, the grown child in the White House, uh, all he's been missing in action today, all he's been doing is just uh, tweeting and all kind of uh, crazy stuff all day. I mean, that, that's what we're sort of used to. Uh, our uh, panel is Rob Richardson. He's the host of Disruption Now podcast. Michael Imhotep hosts the African History Network show. Dr. Neambi Carter, Howard University Department of Political Science. Glad to have all three of you here. Um, it, it, it's very interesting watching all of this play out, uh, Niambi, because, again, they're desperate. They're flailing. Uh, they are trying to uh, s- s- cast doubt. And also, frankly, they're angry that black people. Mm-hmm. It's black people <laughs> who delivered the fatal blow to Donald Trump. He is railed for four years calling the voters in Philadelphia corrupt. And it's killing him that Philadelphia came in hard against him. It destroys his ego that Detroit, black Detroit, uh, came in hard against him. It's killing him that black Atlanta uh, is going against him. It's it's just killing him that black Milwaukee uh, put that final nail in his coffin as well. That's what's killing Donald Trump and all of his uh, MAGA supporters. Absolutely. But he's been telling us for months that this is exactly what he was going to do, that he was going to dispute every vote. He called mail-in ballots illegal votes. He's been telegraphing for months that he knew he was going to lose. I mean, he started this race defeated, quite frankly. Um, And it's sour grapes now. And you're exactly right. There's nothing worse to a person who has sort of created their altar to white supremacy to finally see that it was the very same people that he despised potentially take power away from him. That's killing Donald Trump. That's killing his supporters. And, you know, their tantrum, unfortunately, brings with it real threats along with it. I mean, these people are out here armed to the teeth. They're showing up to places with guns. Um, And so it's not just, you know, that these people are having a fit in the street. They're having a fit in the street with lots of weapons and real threats. And really, it seems like in many cases, um... Uh, law enforcement who are just standing idly by and letting these people have, uh, you know, full-on meltdowns and spin themselves into butter. But I think, you know, it was especially um, sweet to see it uh, happen this way and to see that these Black uh, cities and these Black folks uh, turn out uh, and put him out, quite frankly. Uh, it, it is just, it's just laughable to watch, to watch these folks um um, Rob, because they can't handle losing well. The the thing is, I mean, Hillary Clinton showed far more dignity when she lost in 2016. John McCain, when he lost. But see, 
Here's the deal. I keep telling people, I don't need Donald Trump to concede. Right. The votes are the votes, Rob. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't need Donald Trump to, to invite Joe Biden to the White House, do the customary sit down. I get why people want that. But we know the man child is not going to do that because that's ca no. that's called decency. That's called basic decency. And you're right. He's not going to do it. But it would be very helpful for the nation for him to do it because he is he is a lot of things. He's a man child. He's a whiner in chief. He's also the greatest, I believe, con man and marketer to ever be in that position, because the, the sad fact is he got a ton of votes and there's a lot of people that still believe whatever they want to believe uh, that comes out of his mouth. He has a cult personality following him. And why this is dangerous is because people believe it. I mean, there are people that are, and it goes beyond education. There are people that have some education and still want to make themselves believe that somehow they're being cheated, that, you know, somehow black people are, have the power to hold secret votes and keep away votes. And suddenly we can just turn the whole election I mean, suddenly, suddenly we, we can do that, but we can't get reparations. Like, I can't figure it out. So, like, if we can do that, but we can't get reparations, I don't know. Like, we're, we're, we have this secret plot that we're controlling things. It's not happening that way. But whatever narrative he tells them, they believe. And as Dr. Carter said, is it, it is extremely dangerous because they are prone. They already want to be angry. They already want to find a reason to blame someone. And he's using the common denominator of fear to drive them uh, to be irrational, uh, to make it feel like somebody's out to get them, that everybody's against them, big tech's against them, media is against them, black people are against them, Latino people are everybody's against them. No, actually, it's Donald Trump that's against you. He's just a great con man and a marketer. Um, the, the, Michael, <laughs> you got this Louisiana <laughs> Congressman Clay Higgins uh, who who released this video. If, if, if y'all want to see cray-cray, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> watch this, fool, y'all. This is a person who's a sitting member of Congress. Listen to me, America. Donald J. Trump, President Trump, has been an anointed blessing to our nation. I realize I'm compassionate about feeling the heart of many Americans that disagree, but listen to what I'm telling you. This is a man that did not have to do what he has done. He has not, he did not have to serve as our president, commander in chief. He's living the life of a billionaire. Would you have done it? I think not. Our nation right now and I have inside data this election is compromised our president is not compromised I stand with him whether anybody likes it or not I'm telling you right now is it is it many Americans listen we don't want to fight we do not want a fight. We, we love our brothers and sisters. Disagree, though we may, including serious disagreement. None of us want to fight, man. However, I have to tell you that 
this election our president won this election <laughs> what's Michael the Blair Witch Project video <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Did he not pay his... Uh... I have I have inside information. You're a sitting <laughs> member of Congress. <laughs> Don't let it ever be said it, that it, we it, can't, you can't achieve. That man's in Congress, just so you know. Go it, ahead. It, I'm sorry. It, if, he, if he had any information, he would have released it. Thank okay. you. I mean, come on. It, this is the dumbest thing. I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, okay, did he not pay his light bill? I have inside information <laughs> that this election is compromised. But I ain't going to share it with nobody because I'm making me a Blair Witch sequel video. <laughs> well, you know, if, if the election was compromised, maybe it would not have been compromised if Marsha Blackburn Senator from uh, uh, Tennessee had not blocked three election integrity bills in the U.S. Senate using the unanimous consent rule. Okay, so so if if you think it was compromised, go talk to the Republicans and go talk to Moscow Mitch McConnell, who refused uh, to um, pass bills to protect the uh, U.S. election. But you you know, brother, this is um, so. I'm glad you show that because people have to understand. So Rob talked about reparations, right? People have to understand reparations is a legislative process. It has to pass through both the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. You got stupid asses like this, okay, who are U.S. congressmen, and these are the type of people that are going to vote on reparations. So, so we got to understand it takes 218 votes to get any bill passed in the House of Representatives. People like that got to be voted out of office. See, this is an example of how elections have consequences, all right? And it's good that Democrats um, maintain the House of Representatives, and we'll see what the final margin is. But... You got to understand, the, uh, a lot of these policies and things that we want, dumbasses like this vote on it. Right. So, right. brother, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I was up to 5 a.m. this morning watching the uh, returns and watching the results. I got off the air doing my show 1 a.m. And, uh, uh, brother, this is, a, this is a civics lesson. This is a history lesson. You had these idiots in downtown Detroit at the TCF Center. I, I live about three or four minutes away from the TCF Center. They were down there protesting. Uh, Donald Trump supporters uh, stopped the vote. Now, you also had other counter-protesters, many of them white, saying count every vote. I want people to know that also, okay? But Donald Trump hurts his uh, argument. He doesn't have a legal argument. Right. But if, but if he did, he hurts it by saying keep, count, keep counting in Arizona. Stop right. counting in Michigan. Right. Stop counting in, in Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, that, it makes no sense. Now... Y'all want to hear some more tears. Nope. I have some more tears for you. Uh, Rick Santorum decided to give some advice on CNN. Oh, Lord. Um, and um, I, he, here we go. And this is one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm just... Give people time. Yes. I mean, you know, <coughs> you know he's just found out that, that he's, you know, probably not going to be the president of the United States here. And, I mean, you could say what was in the cards, but, but you don't know until the votes are counted. I mean, listen to John King. you don't know. it's not his schedule. It's, so, the, it's democracy's but, but schedule. Give, it's not Donald give Trump's. Give his supporters and everybody time but, to figure this out. With, with Hillary Clinton, we, that's what we Which is why, David, thank you for the comment that, you know, saying, you know, we'll, we'll take trespassers out of the White House. It's not time to, you know, I under, that, I that kind of that. rhetoric I, is I not going to be helpful. This is a very emotional time. Had either side under this election... It would would have. I mean, that's why they were. No offense, that's why they're boarding up places in you know across the country because they were afraid of you know if if, if 
Joe Biden was going to win by 10 points and he loses fraud. I mean, this would be this would be the cry of the other side, too. Let the process work. I, I remember Give when Hillary, people I remember, space to work I, through this. And I remember, I, look, I I remember was, when, when Hillary, I'm just agreeing with you. I remember uh, people wanted Hillary Clinton to come out that night. And she needed a minute, and her supporters needed a minute, and she came out the next day. I don't think they were looking at that same situation with Donald Trump. The fear that people have, which I, maybe you can speak to, is that this isn't about him kind of getting himself together to come out and make a responsible speech, that he just is going to be a bitter ender. Well, so I'm just, I mean, give him time. I mean, he, he I mean, he, he's just finding out you really need to give him time. He has to gather himself. Rick Santorum, shut the hell up. <laughs> Trump came out yesterday with a batshit crazy news conference. Yeah, that's who he is. Dude, I don't want to hear all this. Give, 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 give him time and give his supporters time. They've, they've got to sort through this. Um, it's, it's, it's their feelings. Y'all, they had this role. When your ass lose in politics, your ass lose. It happened to me. I mean, I mean look, I, I, I'm just getting... Jackie Lacey. Hmm. Jackie Lacey, black woman who should have lost... Uh, lost for district attorney, L.A. This was her today. I congratulate George Gascon and his team on their expected victory. There are still about 791,000 votes to count, but my consultants tell me that while I may close the gap between the two of us, I will not be able to make up enough based on the trending of the ballots to win this election. I am so thankful to God. It's a longer video, but that's what you do. But this whole, oh, we got it. Y'all, Donald Trump is a child who's in his feelings. He's in his feelings. And he's really in his feelings about what's been happening there uh, in the state of Georgia. Now, Georgia Secretary of State Brad uh, Raffensperger said today that the presidential race in the state remains too close to call. He added that out of about 5 million votes cast, the margin will be within a few thousand. With a margin that small, there will be a likely recount in Georgia. Joining me right now is Georgia State Senator-elect Kim Jackson, Bianca Keaton, chair of the Gwinnett County Democratic Party, and Georgia State Representative Hank Johnson. First of all, glad to have uh, all of you on the show. Congressman Johnson, I'll start with you. Um, it, it, has to, it has to be great 
that uh, the place where Congressman John Lewis represented uh, uh, this nation so, for so many years could very well be the state that puts Joe Biden over the top after Donald Trump trashed Congressman Lewis left and right and didn't even have the decency to pay respects to him uh, when he passed away. Karma. Yeah, I tell you, it's poetic justice. Uh, I know John Lewis is looking down, uh, admiring the work that was done to produce this result in Georgia. Um, you know, Biden has 253 electoral votes right now with uh, 16 more coming from Georgia. That would put him right at uh, 269, and he would need just one more vote. And, you know, it, it's, it's very sweet that Georgia uh, has been converted. Georgia has flipped uh, from Republican for the last 28 years voting for Republican presidents. And now uh, we stand on the cusp of uh, Georgia going blue for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And leading the South, it's the new South being led not by North Carolina, not by South Carolina, not by Texas, but being led by Georgia, not Florida, not Virginia, but Georgia. And it's uh, really poetic justice. It's a sweet night. Uh, we have uh, elected a president. We have, uh, you know, held on to our majority in the U.S. House. And we have uh, expanded our opportunity to uh, to bring home a, a uh, Senate where uh, we elect two U.S. senators uh, on January 5th, which will take the House to a 50-50 majority. And then we will have an African-American vice president in place to break the tie. It's very sweet. Um, Bianca, um, again, when you see what is happening here, a lot of work was put in uh, to turn Georgia into a competitive state to make this a reality. And the thing I think that really jumps out uh, here is that uh, I keep telling people, look, regular folk did the work. And what I keep saying is weak black folk, we can't we can't wait for a party or a candidate to mobilize and organize our people. We have to do it ourselves. I absolutely agree with that sentiment. In fact, um, after having worked on Stacey Abrams' campaign in 2018, it was my first campaign, um, and I just really wanted to be a part of, of history at that at that time and um, to show up for Stacey. Um, and then pushing into or towards 2020, I I had a central question: How do we win without Stacey Abrams on the ballot? And in many ways, that meant that we had to become Stacey and we had to continue um, the legacy of the work that she began. Um, and, and it was work that began before her gubernatorial campaign in 20, um, 2017, 2018. It began in um, 2010, you know, um, when Democrats uh, lost big time uh, statewide in Georgia. And my goal um, as party chair, which I never had any aspirations to be party chair, or uh, to really be part of the, the party infrastructure was really to make our party look more like Gwinnett and to help us uh, recruit candidates that look like Gwinnett and to draw out the vote. And that's what we did. Uh, Kim, one of the things, though, we're now looking at is, look, it is still, the, the margin is still extremely small. 
Um, you have military votes that will be coming in as to be counted as well. Donald Trump is already begging for those military votes because I, uh, and if anyone knows, let me know. Last I heard, it was supposedly around 8,000 military votes that were expected uh, there in Georgia. Yeah, 8,400. 8,420. Uh, to be specific. So, uh, so Kim, Don, uh, Donald Trump is hoping desperately uh, that he picks up 70, 80 percent of those military votes uh, to put him back in the lead there uh, in Georgia. Well, you know, I just checked the numbers right before um, I came on and we are 4,000 votes ahead right now. So uh, even if he gets 80 percent, I mean, it's the numbers are not in his favor. The trend is clear. Um, we are going to, Georgia is going to elect our next president, um, and he will be Joe Biden. So I'm thrilled, I'm excited, and it has been the work of so many people, but particularly black women in Georgia who have made this happen. Um, the, the thing that, um, that jumps out, and we've, um, I saw someone's posted um, some polling data that showed that they're in Georgia, 17% uh, of black men vote for Donald Trump. Okay, but here's the thing that I think is important, Congressman Johnson, that we can't let, let's just be frank, white media get us caught up in that because the two groups out of everybody in America who voted against Donald Trump for Joe Biden, the two highest groups were black women and black men. Black men outvoted Latino men, white men, they outvoted white women, L -l Latino, uh, uh, Latina. So, again, I know folks want to harp on the 17%, but my deal is you can't ignore the 83. Yeah, the turnout, the, uh, the number of voters who came out was uh, astronomical. It was like 4.1 million voters uh, who voted in... 2016 in the 2016 general election in Georgia. Uh, in 2000, four years later, uh, we'll see about a 900,000 uh, vote jump. And that turnout uh, is uh, concentrated in areas where uh, black and brown people live in Georgia. And so I'm very um, happy about the turnout you know, the fact that we did have a, a higher percentage of black males voting for Trump is is um, not to be taken lightly because they did they did good work at um, converting some people to their view. And that view is basically based on anger and misinformation. So we've got a lot of uh, educating to do among our uh, black males about uh what has really been the state of political affairs in this country over the the, pre, the previous three or four decades. And, and we can't hold grudges about stuff that happened back in the 90s. We're, we're, in we're getting ready to go into 2021, and it's a new day. And uh, too many of us are, are angry and stuck on what happened, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, we've got educating to do to... Um, to try to uncloud some of these minds of uh, some of our, our brothers out here. I'm on a, a, a text uh, line or chain with a group of black males who are Trump supporters and they are just downhearted. They themselves are out here talking about uh, 
violence. I mean, they, they are coming close with their rhetoric to inciting violence. And, uh, you know, it's very troubling what's in the minds of some of these black males. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, does, it doesn't help when you have, uh, uh, it doesn't help, um, uh, Kim, when you have a, an actual elected official in Georgia who's black saying this type of stuff on national television. This is State Rep. Vernon Jones. Address the issues in the state of Georgia for every American. And so I want to say to the press, so you can get the word out right now, um, this is my last point. We ain't bullshitting. <laughs> Stacey Abrams, you want a fair fight? Bring it on. Bring it on. You've been, you've been like a, a vacuum cleaner, getting all of this underground money. We need to see where it's coming from and how you're spending it. But I know one thing, you're spending it on suppressing black people and other people. You're suppressing them. You know how you suppress because you're intimidating people for having their individual thoughts and their individual concerns. And because they don't support your agenda, you don't want them to vote. You don't want them to come out and speak their minds. What you're trying to do is keep them on that plan. What, it's so many lies in there. We ain't even got that much damn time to break it all down. But well, that's well you, well, you know what? Earlier in in his comments, he made a comment about we can see the. I know, I know, I have it right here. Go back to my iPad, please. Start shooting. Hold on. Representative Vernon Johnson. Yeah. This fight is just getting started. Yeah. We're starting now to see the white in their eyes, and we get ready to start shooting. Yeah. I mean, it, look, uh, that, even the crowd was sort of like, did this fool just say we're going to start shooting? Kim, go ahead. Yeah. Right. I mean, so let's be clear. First of all, uh, he will soon be the former representative. Uh, and, uh, you know, Vernon Jones does not represent black George in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I, I think he has found his uh, way of getting a few moments of fame, and, and he's gotten those. And we are so glad that he is moving on. And, uh, and honestly, he's uh, gratefully, he's being replaced by a black woman. Uh, so once again, we see black women stepping up and saying, no more, we will not tolerate that kind of rhetoric. We will not be represented by those kind of people. Uh, here we are. Um, to the point, um, Bianca, to the point that Congressman Johnson was making about the misinformation, that is critical. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. So on, on that point, it's a couple of things. One, um, Democrats were awful for as far as I was concerned with direct messaging. For instance, I, I still don't understand why Joe Biden, Senator Kamala Harris, and Democratic Party did not take credit for the first step act when Democrats passed it in the House and it was improved in the Senate. I mean, they literally just gave Trump the whole runway. That's just one. The other thing, though, is one of the reasons why, um, and I make this point directly to the Biden campaign and, and Democratic Party, is you also got to spend more resources on black media that's reaching black people. That's smaller outlets as well that they're listening to, digital outlets, websites, take it because 
I, I spent on Friday one hour and 11 minutes on the phone with a black record producer who gave me every single black talking point from Donald Trump and I had this, I was knocking down lies left and right because he repeated it so often that they believed it. And I think people say, oh, we're not gonna respond to that stuff. No, I'm just a firm believer. You can't let lies stand still. And I think over the next 60 days, there's about to be a whole bunch of lies on Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And is the Democratic Party prepared to swing back hard uh, on those lies and to lay down a narrative that speaks to those black men and to the plus four points of black women who voted Donald Trump? Because it was 95% for Hillary and went down to 91% for Trump. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it is my absolute hope that the Democratic Party will be prepared and, and ready to respond to these um, malicious attacks that come from the Republicans and uh, specifically Donald Trump. Um, you know, these attacks have been uh, very disgusting, and I, and, and I do expect them to continue. Um, I would like to see, um, you know, uh, we, we talk about our, our dear sister, Michelle Obama, and, you know, um, her mantra, when they go low, we go high. And, you know, there are a lot of us that are prepared to um, to do what needs to be done. I, I'm, look, uh, look, look I, I disagree with that. I appreciate her comment. Uh, I'm a firm believer. They, when they go low, you hit their ass in the ankles. Well, and that's exactly my point. Cool. Thank you very much. I, I want to make sure you're not on the same page. Uh, we here. Yeah, we here. Cool. We here. I, we here. Good. We here. Okay, so I actually just saw uh, one of my my dear friends from uh, Capitol Hill post a um, a when we go when when they go low, um, we want drama, and it had a picture of RuPaul, like she ready, um, and that's how we need to be um, in attacking these lies that are coming out. Um, but I also take a little bit of issue with the amount of uh, burden and responsibility that is placed on the backs of black bodies. Um, how much more can the Democratic Party expect out of Black voters? We we do need to be making investments in the Black community, and I do expect that we will get all of that and some with this Biden-Harris ticket. And I am very much so looking forward to that, because they actually had a plan for Black America, contrary to the, the two-page pa uh, pamphlet um, that, you know, was the, the, the platinum plan, which was, you know, just a, a few talking points there. Um, it was but... a, it was a trash plan. It was trash. I'm, I'm going to deal with that a little bit later in the show uh, when I break down these comments Bob Johnson made today on CNBC, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, and you know, to the issue of, uh, of Vernon Jones, like nobody's paying Vernon any attention. Like he's going out the door. Um, and, and he's had a, a, a mile of issues, um, you know, to follow him. So um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he's looking for a career change that he's hoping he can pick up something with the Republican Party because they they like to have and exploit um, and, and create black caricatures. Um, those people are not representative of um, the black population at large. And, and we don't stand for that. Right. What I would like to see is to um, the Democratic Party to do more work in other communities. 
Um, and that is where I think some of the work needs to be done because, um, you know, the Latino community, the Asian um, community, like the 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 um, the opportunities that we missed there in, in this election. I'm right. hoping that we can um, hone in on that and figure out a way to to deliver um, not just um, uh, words, but actual, you know, solid policy and that for right. black Americans as well. Congressman Johnson, I got to go to you. Uh, political, uh, that was a call that uh, Democrats, y'all all were on. Uh, I'll assume you were on that particular call. Go to my iPad, Henry. This is the headline from Politico. Dim leaders warn liberal rhetoric could blow Georgia races. There's a quote here from Congressman Jim Clyburn saying, if we're going to run on Medicare for all, defund the police, socialize medicine, we're not going to win. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, said that, uh, that uh, to, if, to win in Georgia, what the issue should be. This is what I said in a tweet to her, and, and, I was, and I'm just being very frank. And let's just also be clear, Nancy Pelosi, her office, uh, they're horrible when it comes to putting her on black media. We've been asking for two years. The last eight weeks, they haven't come on. Uh, she finally went on Joe Madison's show. He's been asking for years. And so I made it perfectly clear. And I know that I know that different members of members of the CBC have personally called her to tell her of this. But Nancy Pelosi needs to come do black media and stop doing MSNBC and CNN all day. So, Congressman, if you can pass that message to her as well, I would appreciate that. But here's my problem here. Uh, y'all all three from Georgia. No disrespect, but y'all don't need Nancy Pelosi telling y'all what works for, for Georgia voters. I think what should happen here, Congressman Johnson, is that Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats who are in D.C. need to step the hell back, let the people in Georgia who know that state well and their voters lay, the, lay out the game plan for how to win these two seats, these two Senate seats. So that is Stacey Abrams and others. Let them, let them be the generals. And so Nancy needs to take a step seat back and say, Georgia Democrats, y'all did y'all thing. Y'all know what's best. Well, you know what? Every time we have these uh, family phone calls, it's like a family Call meeting. Excuse my... Sorry, right, sorry, right, go ahead, sorry. Right. But... Um, Just make sure that wasn't Nancy calling, but go ahead. Well, it's, it's not Nancy. But uh, as soon as we have our family conversations, then there's always someone who leaks information selectively to the press. And um, that selective leaking comes from people who, you know, have an axe to grind against Nancy for whatever reason, but it does a disservice to our caucus because they mischaracterize the contents of our communications. And so I'm going to take a little issue with the context that you made your comments in. Okay. So, and, so go uh, ahead. So she, and, uh, and so she didn't say that? Go, go ahead and clear it up. Go ahead. Cause, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so Nancy is not, uh, at no time during that call did Nancy uh, talk about any message that uh, should be uh, propounded in Georgia for our Senate elections. And in fact, uh, you know, she took an opposite uh, opinion on, you know, how, so in other words, there were people, when you have a meeting like that right after the election and we suffered some losses, and those losses, by the way, if you look at which Democrats lost their seats, first of all, we had 31 seats to defend that we won in 2018 that Trump had won in 2016. 
So we flipped 31 seats and we had to defend those 31 seats in Trump districts. And we were successful in 70 percent of those races. But some of those some of those those were some tough uh, districts. And so now when you have some losses like that and people uh, and people leave young members and then you have other new members who are frustrated and frightened because they just eat by with their uh, win. And uh, then they start talking about what progressives have said that drew out the voters who came and elected a new vice president and a new president. I mean, those were progressive uh, voices and voters who came out because of the uh, agitation of progressives in, in Congress. But then you have moderates and uh, conservatives, they're young, and or when I say young, I mean they're newly right. elected. Right. The, 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 the Democratic Party has a much larger and, and so, tent than the Republicans. And, and so they start complaining about, uh, you know, the fact that they're losing some of their friends who came to Congress with them, and you have to give them an opportunity to vent. And so when they vent, then you come back and let them understand uh, the true reality. And I believe that is what uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi did yesterday and our leaders. But, of course, you had a lot of opinions being shared in that conversation, which should not be public knowledge at all. And when it becomes public knowledge, it gets it gets mischaracterized and well, construed. Well, here's the deal. I, look, if you're on a phone call, it's going to get out. So, I mean, that's just the whole deal there. Yeah. But, I, but I still believe, Kim, again, my firm belief is this here, because it always happens. It happens when a Democrat wins a statewide primary, then the D.C. consultants come in with their view on what should yeah. happen. This is the deal. Folks well, in I, Georgia, I, mostly black, they did the groundwork for the last six years to make what happened this year reality. I, if, I've already made the call. I've already said to the black folks in Georgia, we gonna bring my show to Georgia as much as possible in November and December. Y'all tell us where we need to go. See, I, I, because again, I think y'all know best where the votes are. There's a deadline on December 7th to register folks to vote. I would think y'all know where the voters who need to get registered are, where the resources should go. That's who I'm listening to to win the old soft and Warnock race, Kim. Well, well, you know what? You got Bianca Keaton on this call. I know. No, she going to talk in a minute. But I'm going to go to Kim and then Bianca. Kim, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And it's the jobs that need to be going to Georgians as well. I, I am tired of people coming from all across this nation and uh, setting up camp here in Georgia who don't know a damn thing about Georgia but telling us what to do. Um, There are plenty of community organizers and activists and people who have worked on campaigns who can do the work in Georgia. And so the Georgia Georgians need those jobs. Those jobs need to go to Georgians, and we need to be the voice of the strategy and the strategizers. It's absolutely essential. Um, and, and so, Roland, I'm with you. You are absolutely right. Bianca, look, they're already saying 100 million is likely going to pour in in the next two months on both sides. I want to make sure it's black political consultants, it's black pollsters, it's black ad agencies who are handling the media buys. That's what I'm saying has to also happen. And again, 
folk from not from Georgia listen to y'all on what the game plan is to win those two Senate seats? Okay, well, this is one that you, I kind of have to if, take a breath before I jump in and answer because it's one of those things that, you know, if you're going to have expectations of the black community, you better be putting investments in black organizers, just like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the remarkable things that Stacey Abrams did with her campaign is she invested in people who looked like Georgia. For the first time, we had uh, trans people, um, we had uh, black people in like really heavy, uh, serious leadership roles on a campaign being heard at the table and not just for um, representation, uh, for the sake of representation, but actually for a more substantive, um, you know, steering of how that campaign moved here. And it wasn't just black. It was it was everything. Um, and if I and if I might say, I believe that Gwinnett County really is um, the center of what all of that coalition's work across the state of Georgia um, is comprised of. I mean, we've got rural, we've got heavy AAPI, we've got heavy um, uh, Latino population. We got a lot of black people here. We got a lot of suburban. We got, there's so much here. Um, and I think that Gwinnett County needs to be the first stop for every for every one of these campaigns um, because there's a, a certain amount of work a certain amount of inroads that we're going to make in areas like DeKalb and Fulton. But if we're going to bring out um, new voters who have a higher um, likelihood of voting, those voters are going to be right here in, in Gwinnett County. And so I want to see all of our communities invested in, and I don't want any one of our communities to feel taken advantage of, but I'm definitely going to advocate um, for Black staff, for Black leadership, and um, and and our black candidates. And I'm just gonna say this this last thing, and I, I'm be, and I'm just being I'm being straight up, Congressman Hank Johnson. I'm expecting you and Congressman Scott and Congressman Bishop to let them also uh, those packs as well. I expect y'all to be asking them, hey hey hey, who are the black folks y'all got working on here? Who are the black ad agencies? Are y'all buying black media? Because they're going to be, gonna be out there asking for money. And again, if we carried them over the line when it came to uh, November 3rd, damn it, we better reap the benefits financially when it comes to the runoff because they're going to be expecting us to carry them over the line as well. Oh, they, they're going to need the black and brown. And uh, they're going to need blacks, Latinx, they're going to need the Asians, the young Asians. They're going to need the right-thinking white folks in Georgia. And guess where those votes are concentrated, Roland? Right here in the Atlanta metropolitan area, which is predominantly black. And I will tell you, the new Georgia looks like Gwinnett County. That's why it's so uh, important that when you come, uh, I would like for you to come to uh, Gwinnett County. I represent a sliver of uh, and a substantial sliver of Gwinnett County. Um, and I'd love for you to come out and uh, be a part of that community. And now, we're going to be there. Out there. No, I'm just letting y'all know. We're going to be there. I, I saw you here for um, uh, Biden last week. Well, actually, no, 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 no. I actually, I was actually there for Warnock. And then when Biden announced he was coming to Georgia, that blew the whole plan up. We were going to do a whole two-hour show built around uh, Pastor Warnock 
because we did the exact same thing in Columbia, South Carolina for Jamie. The next day, I did the same thing for Senator Gary Peters in Detroit. And then that Sunday, I went to Mississippi for Mike Espy. So the Biden thing blew it up. But I'm telling y'all right now, we are bringing Roller Martin Unfiltered uh, uh, to Georgia. Uh, We're going we to be there a whole lot in December. We are focused on talking to our people, getting folks out there to register December 7th, to, to uh, vote when the early voting deadline, to also then, of course, uh, drop those uh, ballots by mail, and then vote on January 5th. I, we, I've been talking to people. I've been talking to entertainers. I've been talking to activists. Everybody is focused for the... Look, everybody else counting. We, 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 look, we, we can't count. That's what they do, okay? Our focus is going to be on winning those two seats. Democrats right now have 48 seats. If they win those two in Georgia, it's a 50-50 tie. Senator Kamala Harris breaks the tie, which means Chuck Schumer is the Senate majority leader and not Mitch McConnell. And that's what our focus is. And so we are making it clear to all the folk, uh, like, we got to go hard or go home. So that's what our plan is. So I'm just letting all three of y'all know we're going to be there. I wasn't surprised to see you when you were here, because I see you just about everywhere else I go in the country. That's right. If there's something happening, uh, Roland Martin is going to be there. I want to make sure you also visit uh, South Georgia, Albany, Columbus. Listen, listen, listen. I ain't say we coming to Atlanta, Bianca. I said we coming to Georgia. Here we go. So, yes. Trust me, I got fans all over Georgia. I've already yes, said, we going to hit different parts of Georgia with our show. I'm just letting y'all know. So when y'all get that phone call, y'all see a 469 number. That's me calling. All right? Okay. We're going to have the list ready for you. All right. We'll have the list. And, and it's a continuing struggle to uh, get folks to do right by us and our businesses. And so I can assure you, Roland, that we won't let this opportunity pass. Okay. Uh, We're going to leverage... Uh, we're going to leverage every uh, asset that we have to try to pull down what needs to be pulled down so it can flow throughout our communities. All right. Let's do it. Bottom, bottom out. Congressman Johnson, Bianca, Kim, I appreciate it. Thank to all three of you. We'll be chatting soon. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Roland. Got to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk Pennsylvania with a couple of folks there, including former Mayor Michael Nutter. I'll bring my panel back as well. Then... Wait till I show y'all some comments that Bob Johnson made on CNBC. Um, I sort of take issue with some of those. I shall do one of my famous deconstructions right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Voting don't mean anything. What's gonna happen if you don't? Give me, give me the next step. What's replacing it? Where's your voice being heard at? How do you put your, your grievances out in front? How do you put forth your ideas if you don't vote on it. Tell me. Now you, I, I want to know if it don't work, then tell me what will work. You have, you have nothing? You have nothing? I think you I think you should vote. Historically, a lot of blood on that vote. You should vote. And there are a lot of people, they don't know if they can. They don't know what to do, how to do it, where to do it. They get, you know, all these documents and pamphlets in the mail, but they don't really understand how to dig through and, and figure it all out. So I think, you know, the solution, because I'm all about solutions, is figuring out a way to introduce, reintroduce that into the school system. And I think, you know, getting getting people 
together who are like-minded, right? If you don't know exactly what's happening, I think the first thing is don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed to say, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that term means. I don't know what this politician stands for. Even if everyone's talking about it, people are scared to get laughed at. Now, I'm, I'm the queen of no shame, <laughs> as we know. Yes, we know. Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, y'all. Trump's lead narrows in Pennsylvania as he races to the courts to for to court races to the courts to stop the final ballots. The race there is too close to call. In a moment, we'll be talking with a couple of folks out of out of Pennsylvania. Uh, but we'll bring back my panel. Uh, Niambi, I'm going to start start with you. On the, the point I was I was just making there again. I'm just I, look like I get what Congressman Johnson said. I saw the story. They're talking about what Democrats should run. I'm serious. Bottom line, ignore all the people out of D.C. <laughs> you you got to win yeah. Georgia. You ain't got to yeah. win AOC's district. You don't have to win Connor Lamb's district. You have to win the state of Georgia. The campaigns of Ossoff and Warner, Warnock have to be constructed around what Georgians want, not anybody else. And here's the deal. If Warnock and Ossoff take some positions that are counter to, let me say it, white progressives, to the white progressives... Shut the hell up. Be quiet. Like I had, look, like George and Charlton. I like he just sat here and said, if progressives want to get serious, uh, moving Joe Biden to the left, one of the first, the first thing they should do is tell Joe Biden to drop the extradition of Julian Assange from the UK. I said, man, don't nobody give a shit about Julian Assange. <laughs> I said, how the hell is that first? I'm like, that's not even ten. I said that ain't first. <laughs> But this is but this is the importance of having local people making the decisions about what makes sense for their state and their localities. And I think often we think that if we have the big budgets and we have these people coming in, they'll tell us something we don't already know. These people don't know Georgia. They don't know the difference between Augusta or Atlanta. They just think it's a place and it's a place like any other place. And what works in Georgia is not going to work in New York. It's not going to work in Massachusetts. And I think this is the important part that you were stressing last segment, which is local people who do the day in, day out organizing, who look like the people of this state, who talk like the people of this state, who know what issues move these people. They need to be the ones making the decisions. And everybody else needs to just come with their open pocketbook and their mouths closed and their ears open. And maybe they would learn to stop losing once in a while. And I agree with you, this idea that what is making people move in, in D.C. or New York or anywhere else is kind of a one-size-fits-all for the entire party, which is extraordinarily diverse and has very different needs, um, I think it's a losing strategy every time. And if they don't learn anything, they need to learn that you got to pay attention to the people and you got to pay attention to the black folks in these communities, most importantly, because they're the people that are doing the work and they're the people that are motivating people to show up for you time after time, even when you don't deserve it. And I think that's going to be the consistent message, mouth shut, ears open and keep those pocketbooks open and fund these people and employ these people to actually make the decisions that make sense for their home states. Look, here's the deal for me, Rob. Okay. Um, on this call, you know, Abigail Spanberger, she was crying. And also the woman down in Florida, they out there crying because they lost. Here's the thing I keep trying to explain to people. Like all this stuff, we can't run on this, we can't run on that. 
This real simple. The Democratic Party's tent is larger than the Republican Party's tent. And so there are Democrats who are who uh, appealed uh, by Medicare for all. There are Democrats who understand actually what defund the police means. There are Democrats who understand that. The problem that people also got to recognize, again, both sides, is that you have gerrymandered districts. So you got Democrats yeah, in, in Florida, in Texas, in North Carolina, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, who are running in districts drawn by Republicans that are very, that are, that are, that are borderline red districts. And so, perfect example, Sanford Bishop in Georgia cannot take, he could not take the same positions as John Lewis of course or David Scott or Hank Johnson, because the make... Now, he's black. He's in the CBC. But the makeup... The, but the makeup of Bishop's district is different than that of Lewis. So we can't say, Sam Bishop, why you don't believe in this? Fool, because my district, <laughs> the 700,000 in my district ain't the same 700,000 in his district. And right. so there's no one size fit all. So for, for and I get Congressman Clyburn's remarks there, but sorry, Congressman, what might work here ain't gonna work here, but give people the flexibility to say, I disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need to give people flexibility, but I'll say at the same time from a different point of view, and I agree with a lot of what you said, I wanna hit on particularly what has to happen when we talk about uh, us being included. You, you hit on it, but also from the consultant point of view, I can tell you how they did their messaging was one size fits all. They hired the same polling firm. And I will tell you what the Trump administration understood a little bit better. They micro-targeted in an emotional way black men and who they were trying to get. And though, though Biden won, I do think there was some margins where you have, it wasn't just Georgia, it was some places black men went 20%. And they, and they were talking to black men in this way. And yes, black people did. We're the reason why uh, America has, saved, has been saved from itself. But I'll say also, the Democratic Party should be doing more hiring more consultants all across the board, making sure that they're not just hiring all white, all big firm consultants, people like yourself, people like me, people that do this and have done this, actually hire people uh, who know how to message people. They don't do that. So that's something we can learn from, hopefully have the chance to learn from in this. Uh, but then we need to also, there does need to be, it, the message shouldn't be like Medicare for all, but there does need to be some type of, I think, messaging that we agree that this is what we're going to do. We're going to hold, uh, it's not going to be controversial to say we're holding pharmaceutical companies accountable to make sure that's more affordable for people. Like, I don't understand. There are some basic things we ought to be able well, to Well, you can't say that if pharmaceuticals are funding your campaign. There you go. And therein lies the issue. Like, you have to have some conviction for what you stand for, because that's the problem with some of the Democratic Party. Not that we have to take this position. Defund the police is the wrong way, probably, to frame it. But everybody can take the, 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 the stance that we want to make sure police are accountable and that they, that they police in the community in the way that's inclusive. Like, we have to be able to have some tenets of things that we're talking about while we have this big tent. Because you know what the other side does? They also have—they're not as diverse— but they have they got these these three unholy tenants, I guess. They got white supremacists in there, they got business tax cuts people in there, and they got evangelicals. And every single Republican has something where they don't talk exactly like that, but they rhyme with it. So we also can't have this point of view where no one understands the basic tenets of what we're fighting for. So 
fighting for some basic things. And I'm not saying we have to agree to every single policy, but we ought to be able to frame our convictions in a way that people understand what the hell it is we're fighting for. Because we, if we picked up the presidency in this way, which we're going to, and we should hopefully get the Senate, but I think we could have picked up more of the Senate and not lost as much of the House. This is the first time this is happening. How? How? This How? No, 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 no. How? Okay, here's the deal. What do you mean? No, no, no. Here's the deal, okay? I Picked up more of the Senate. Where? What seats? What's that? I think we, I think with the right messaging, we could have won North Carolina because you lose 20% no, of black people no, in North Carolina. No, no, no. North Carolina was less than 100,000. It's not messaging's fault that that dumbass was sexting with a woman in California. Yeah, well, that, my point is... No, 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 seriously, no, no. I, no, I, went, that, I went through the whole deal. Cal Cunningham was polling very well. Cal Cunningham... First of, all, first of all, polling across the board was all wrong. I'm about to say, the polling was off. No, but here's the deal, though. But, but, but Cal Cunningham gave, gave Tillis an opening to hit him on moral failings in the final two and a half, three weeks because he was sexting with a woman in California. You can't control that. Now, here's the problem, okay? I hear all what you said. Democrats yep. picked up Arizona. They picked up, and I know my Philadelphia guests right there tell them I'm coming to them in three minutes. They picked up Arizona. They picked up Colorado. Yep. The only real seat, the only other two seats you really had a shot at was Maine and North Carolina. Here were the other seats. Here were the other seats. Kansas, Deep Red. And the Democratic candidate was a former Republican. Texas, Hagar, a former Republican who was a Democrat. Kentucky, Amy McGrath sucked. No, no, we never had any shot. I'm talking Amy about Maine and I'm talking about North Carolina. But, 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 but here's the deal, though. So, so follow me here. Democrats had a shot to pick up four seats. You got half. I mean, I'm, and again, you couldn't control Cunningham's uh, penis or his or his or his fingers. So the pro right. so the problem here is. So the problem here is. You really didn't have pickups there. And look, Sarah Gideon was the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Maine. But she also was running against a popular woman, even though polling numbers showed her down. Here's what happened. What happened was there was significant split ticketing there in Maine. Folks said, we'll go with Biden, but we also, we like Collins. I just think that for, because uh, I've been battling these white progressives, Michael, over the last three days, who are like, oh my God, the world is ended. Yeah, we won the White House, but we lost the Senate. We lost seats in the House. We lost state races. As not if, over. As if there was not a massive coalescing around Trump. Look at Texas. Biden lost to Trump by 800,000 votes in Texas. Hagar lost to Cornyn by a million. Mm -hmm. So, well, and so the map, Michael, is actually better for Democrats in the Senate in 2022 because they're going to be in states where you have a better chance. And guess what? Out of all the states where I mentioned, where Democrats had a bit the best shot at winning, only one of them had got a significant population of black people. North Carolina. Ain't no black people in Maine, so white progressives, that's on y'all. Ain't no black people in Iowa, so white folks, that's on y'all. So that's what I'm saying. Michael, go ahead. Well, um, I think... Demo uh, you know, Democrats panicked. And I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, but I think they panicked too quickly because it could very well end up 50-50, a 50-50 split in the Senate with Madam Vice President Kamala Harris getting the, getting right. the deciding vote. And I told them white progressives, shut the hell up and focus on yeah. Georgia. 
Exactly. Right. Focus on Georgia. But the reason but, but, they can't focus on Georgia because they love shitting on black folks in the South. Mm hmm. Okay, y'all don't want y'all. Well, they well, they well, want me to go there. Michael, finish your point. Go ahead. Well, well, go ahead. Well, speak, well, speaking of sugar, honey, iced tea in the South, uh, Mike Espy in Mississippi. Do you do you think if the Democratic Party had invested no. earlier? No. In, no, in, no. No. Here's why. No. Here's why. No. Not TV commercial. No. No. Here's why. Here's why. Here's the deal. This is very simple. We saw the strategy from the 1960s, SNCC and CORE. Philadelphia, I'm coming to y'all literally in 60 seconds. The strategy was in, was in SNCC, CORE in the 1960s. We just saw the strategy work in Virginia. We saw what Stacey Abrams and others did in Georgia. We saw what Reverend William Barber and others did in North Carolina. You got to commit to a six to 10 year ground yeah, game. Yeah, long term, long term, it yeah. Can't, it ain't gonna work in six months. You got to okay. go in and right. till the soil, and you got to sit here and work the land in order to reap the benefits of crops. It ain't gonna happen. That's my point. Huh? Long term. Yeah. So Democrats don't do long term. Be long -term. Which, which, which means you can't do it through parties. Which Georgia, it was done through a separate group who was fixated on that. I agree. It had nothing to do with a party. Right. That's what I mean. Let's go to Philadelphia, right. y'all. Join me okay. right now. Let me bring in my Philadelphia guest. My apologies, y'all, uh, as I was uh, holding y'all. Joining us right now is Jake Wheatley, Representative Jake Wheatley out of Pittsburgh uh, with the uh, Black Caucus there. Also, uh, former mayor of Philadelphia, Michael Nutter. First of all, I just want to get both of y'all thought on what I just laid out in terms of how, what is required to, to really flip these states. It, it, and I just think you got to let folk from that state be in charge of organizing and building and breaking down the deal. Look, people talk all the time, Mayor, about Philadelphia, but the reality is y'all got a right-wing legislature. And the only way you're going to break them down, your Supreme Court is tied 4-4. The only way you're going to break that thing down is you got to sit down and look at that map and see where the people are and see where the disaffected people are, and see where the poor white people are, and see where the black people are, Latinos. Let me tell you something. Demo Joe Biden, the, the black numbers killed it in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, but the Latino numbers did it as well. But you got to, you got to build that. It ain't going to just happen during the election year. No, no question. Uh, Roland, great, uh, great seeing you. And uh, Rep Wheatley, always, uh, always good to be with you. You know, I was listening to, you know, your uh, discussion with the uh, with the panel just before us. And uh, I continue to be concerned about my party uh, that we have these um, purity tests at times. Yep. Not a test, not a test that you take, but, you know, you, that for for some in our party, uh, to welcome people in, you know, they have to be 100% on every issue all the time. And I think it, in many ways, that's just not realistic. We want people to win and win their district and get reelected and deal with their folks. That may mean that they can't always be with the rest of the group on each and every issue. You got to give folks some flexibility. Uh, as the representative knows, I mean, I was a city councilman. Now, being in, in city council in Philadelphia is a whole lot different than being a rep uh, in, in Harrisburg, because they have real Republicans uh, up there. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in Philadelphia, a Republican might have been a, uh, a Democrat who just couldn't get elected. 
uh, in, uh, you know, where they are. And so, you know, if we're going to have this big tent, if we're going to be anywhere from, you know, a conservative Democrat to the most progressive uh, Democrat, then welcome everybody in. But let's win and then have the luxury of fighting about uh, different positions. And sometimes we knock people out of the box uh, before they uh, even get to the point of being successful. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, Representative Wheatley, first of all, glad to have you here. Uh, had they told me you were wearing that shirt, you would have been a phoner <laughs> instead of well, on video. But, I, but I, 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 allow, I allow a few Omegas to come on my show. Um, we're, watching, we're watching this a vicious attack on Pennsylvania. You got Republicans who are sitting there saying, we should call Republicans out to surround Philadelphia. I'm like, don't get y'all ass whooped. You know, but, 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 but you're... You're right. I wouldn't recommend that because we saw what happened when the Trump folk tried to have a campaign rally in, in Chicago. Uh, Trump never spoke. Um, but Representative Wheatley, the issue here is that the thuggish behavior, the, the, this, the, the desperate to, to intimidate, but now to try to use the Supreme Court to overturn the state Supreme Court because the Republicans of Pennsylvania are mad. They still mad at the state Supreme Court over the gerrymandering decision. Right. Well, first of all, Roland, thank you for having me on here. Um, I, I was listening earlier, and we would in, uh, invite you to come to Pennsylvania, and we definitely will love to have you in the west, uh, western side of the state in Allegheny County. Uh, and to Michael, it is always a pleasure to see you, and I want to say thank you for what you all have done in Philadelphia this time around. Uh, Roland, we, uh, I, our Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, was on earlier, and he talked about this whole... Uh, there have been twice uh, challenges in the Supreme Court where the federal Supreme Court has um, decided not to get involved with these petty um, challenges that we're seeing the Republicans throw at us. And we are totally prepared to defend um, what we know has been a very righteous, um, very fair, transparent election. And it's historic in nature. And as you can tell, there's, there's, I think Carver once said, uh, Pennsylvania is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Alabama in between. But actually in this election cycle, you're seeing that even that has changed because like you talked about before, the demographics are starting to change. And I think what, what, we, what we're trying to do and what we think can be done is if we continue to work, and as you talked about, on the ground, have authentic people uh, from, from far left to the middle, to, uh, to those all being between, uh, continue to work together, we will continue to see that this state can be and will be um, blue um, into the future. So I I'm just very excited about what's happening right now across the country, but definitely what's happening in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a battle that we're seeing going back and forth, back and forth. Um, w w what do we look like as of right now in Pennsylvania? I was just looking on here. I think Joe Biden has expanded his lead in Pennsylvania right. as with, with, with these votes. I understand that, th that, that these mail-in votes are from Democratic strongholds uh, and that um, if, if it keeps being a split of 65-35-70-30, there's no way in the world for Donald Trump to catch up. Pennsylvania's 20 electoral college votes will go to Joe Biden, guaranteeing that he's the next president of the United States. Right. Well, and, 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 uh, I'm sorry. The, the, the Biden lead, uh, Vice President Biden's lead, is going to continue to expand. Uh, the bulk of those votes, as uh, Representative Wheatley knows, uh, they are split uh, primarily between Philadelphia, Philadelphia, uh, uh, and the uh, and Pittsburgh, uh, a couple other places in Pennsylvania. Philly overwhelmingly voted for 
uh, Vice President Biden. And we had, uh, you know, uh, exponential uh, growth, of course, in mail-in ballots as compared to even uh, the primary. And so our, our hope, of course, is uh, maybe things get wrapped up. I'm not down there. I'm not counting. Uh, but uh, the folks have done a tremendous job, 359,000 uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, and I think they're down in, in into the, just the thousands now uh, trying to wrap this up. Maybe they get done uh, over the weekend, beginning of the week. But uh, I think that you're going to end up seeing, uh, you know, 30, 40,000 margin uh, more than likely uh, when uh, when the counting is done. As the representative said, it's been done right. It's been done fairly. There's no nonsense. The only nonsense is all of these lawsuits uh, that the Trump campaign uh, keeps filing. You know, in some parts of the country, they're chanting uh, count the votes, and in other parts of the country, they're saying stop the count. I mean, they can't even figure out what their strategy is because their leader is so confused and, and demented. Uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, this election, and he sees it slipping away, uh, which was the proper outcome. Uh, uh, Representative Wheatley, I, I, I just got this uh, post here. I'm going to pull up in a second, which, uh, again, I love how people make assumptions. Uh, historically, Dem uh, Republicans have done very well with the military, uh, but Donald Trump has offended a whole bunch of folks in the military. Uh, Travis Akers just posted this 14 minutes ago. Allegheny County military absentee ballots just went four to one for Biden. That's what's up. That's what's up. Hey, as a former uh, active duty United States Marine who served in the first Persian Gulf War, that makes me proud um, to know that the men and women who are defending this country see that we need a real commander in chief in the White House. And I'm glad to be from a county where those men and women who are faithfully serving us all across this world. Um, also are serving us today with their votes. So I, 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 it's very exciting what's happening right now across the country. All right, then. Uh, gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait to make my way back to Pennsylvania. Uh, we are doing some big things here with Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're certainly going to be uh, on the move uh, a lot in 2021. Uh, and certainly as we open this country up more, uh, as we try to get past uh, all the drama with COVID, we can't wait to be back on the road. And so look forward to being in your state. Look forward to Thanks seeing you. Thanks for having that. me on. All right. Thanks. Thank you so very much. I want to go back to my panel here. Niambi, again, that point I just made is critically important about military voters. Donald Trump, Republicans have mm -hmm. always thought, yo, we can lock and load. We can, boy, we got, we got them. We got them. But let me tell you something. And, and I had, I had, a, I'm not going to tell you who the person is. It's a prominent individual, but this person, um, military person, daughter's in the military. Daughter told him those comments that Trump made about losers and the fact that General John Kelly never refuted the story, that mm -hmm. that story went through the military and they were all paying attention, that that four-star general never came out and said Trump never said that. Well, look, I think people always assume that the military is white, male, and conservative. And maybe that used to be true, but we know it's increasingly a number of troops of color. But also, when you have a president who is supposed to be of the party that understands and supports our troops and, and, and you know, in part, you know, this language over disrespecting the flag by kneeling was about our service men and women. But of course, this person, this, this Donald Trump person doesn't respect the military. He's called them suckers. He uh, went after uh, John McCain and said he was uh, a loser and he had gotten caught. 
Um, and, you know, he even, in the last debate, uh, mentioned uh, some pretty disparaging things about Joe Biden's son, who was also uh, served in the military. So Donald Trump doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about anyone. And I think military personnel also understand the danger that he puts them in when he makes these reckless statements internationally, right? Uh, the fact that there were conversations about bounties being put on the heads of American soldiers, and you had a president who didn't say a mumbling word about that. Military mm -hmm. people are not stupid people in the way that Donald Trump thinks that they are, thinks that they are. And so, you know, I'm happy to hear and happy to see that they did not reward him with his rec for his recklessness and his dangerousness. I mean, he's playing with their lives quite literally. And so I'm happy to see that they have broken um, this sort of assumed uh, loyalty to the Republican Party and to Donald Trump more generally. Uh, that's the th I mean, look, I mean, Rob, Trump is sitting here. He is begging, hoping, and pleading that those military ballots make the difference in Georgia. Ain't necessarily guaranteed. No, look, it's not. he's not going to catch up. Uh, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris are going to be the next president and vice president of the United States. Uh, you know, Trump is his, he's, like I said, he's a great marketer, but he's also, he's also can't get out of his own way. And, and so he just has to keep doing what he's doing. And it's worked for him until it hasn't. Uh, I do want to go back to a point I said, because I want to make a point of clarification, because I, I, I saw the mayor on, and I just want to make this clear about what I am saying. The best messaging of this whole campaign was done by Republicans in the Lincoln Project. So when I say us having a message, I don't mean us having a carbon copy message that we have to say the exact same things and take the exact same positions, but we do need to be able to articulate our message and be able to do so effectively and we haven't been able to do that. And I do think we can do that better. And I don't think we should get away from making sure we do that better because we're not going to always be able to depend upon having like the greatest communicator like a Barack Obama or having the worst president in the history of the world to win elections. We need to be able to win close elections that are normal, too. And that's what I'm also concerned about, the long term, the long term planning and strategy that I don't think Democrats have invested in. They haven't invested in their base the way they need to. And we need to do that. That's what I'm trying to say, and that's what I hope we do. But here's the deal, though, Michael. I was looking at uh, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She pushed mm -hmm. back on that political political story we were talking about, and uh, she says that, that was uh, was it was a really great thread. She said that uh, what she did was uh, she went back and looked at um, uh, those candidates, and what she said is uh, many of those candidates. Um, were horrible with digital strategy. She mm -hmm. said, um, um, I'm going to read it right here. Finally found it. There are folks running around on TV blaming progressivism for dim underperformance. I was curious, so I decided to open the hood on struggling campaigns of candidates who are blaming progressives for their problems. Almost all had awful execution on digital during a pandemic, capitalized. Underinvestment across the board. Some campaigns spent zero dollars on digital the week before the election. Others who spent did others who spent did so in very poor ways. If I spent only twelve thousand dollars on TV the week before an election and then blame others after, you would ask questions. That's how it looks seeing this. Ide ideology and messaging are the spicy convos a lot of people jump to, but sometimes it's about execution and technical capacity. Digital execution was not good. Polls were off. Ironically, DCCC banned the firms who are the best in the country at Facebook because they work with progressives. 
Then she said also the decision to stop knocking doors is one people need to grapple with and analyze. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib never stopped and may very well have helped deliver a Biden presidency because of it. Uh, then she says there are swing seat DM incumbents who co-sponsored the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, etc. And if I'm not mistaken, every single one won re-election. So the whole progressivism is bad argument just doesn't have any compelling evidence that I've seen when it comes to defund and socialism attacks. People need to realize these are racial resentment attacks. You're not going to make that go away. You can make it less effective. How do you make it less effective? Invest in year-round deep canvassing. Data shows that this kind of work helps blunt the force of racial resentment at the polls. If you're always running away from convos about race, and the only people owning it are GOP, you lose. And on this hand-wringing about slight people of color increase for GOP in some areas, this is also an area with answers. But honestly, when it comes to Latinos, the parties just never seriously made an effort. Mexicans, Central American, Caribbean, Chicanos, Cubans are not the only important community. By the way, if white communities are getting more comfortable with overt racism or cultural resentment, if that's what they're rebranding it now, it's only going to get harder for people of color turnout to save everyone. And I just want to, she did say this here about Mark Kelly. She said here, in light of, uh, here's the deal, Mark Kelly. She said, it's not an accident that Kelly spent by far the most on Facebook out of Senate challengers the week before the election and was one of the main breakthroughs. Hickenlooper was also had solid digital too. It's not the only factor, yet a big lost opportunity for some, treated like TV. Here's why that's all important right there. Mm-hmm. It's, but here's the deal, Michael. Because first of all, it's true. that's a smart-ass woman. Yes. Folks yeah. gotta stop. Donald Trump, you gotta play her small. AOC is smart as hell. But the thing here, Michael, that's most important, that AOC, what you just lay, saw AOC lay out. Right. And I'm gonna be frank. I need everybody who's watching to listen and listening to the podcast and listen to what I'm about to say. White consultants have gotten rich mm-hmm. on the Democrat and the Republican side. And Rob can co-sign this because he ran for office because they make their money from the media buys. So if you have $10 million to spend on media, they want you to spend as much money as possible on TV. All of it. Why? And they're wrong. Because they get 15%. Yep. Mm -hmm. Y'all, I need y'all to hear what I just said. That means if your budget is a million dollars to spend on to spend media, they want you to spend a whole million on TV because they get 150000 Yep. They don't get 15% on digital. And they, they don't even know where it's going. It's not no. targeted. That's the problem. There you go. You don't even know where it's going to go. It's just run on a local station. Hopefully they're going to watch. Yep. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you, Michael, and, and, that, I, that's the piece. They don't yeah. want to deal with that. And so for these people who are complaining, like AOC said, maybe your ass just ran awful campaigns. Right. You know, I, I think she really hit on something there with the digital strategy. And because, and because she's younger, she understands social media. And this is part of the reason why she's so popular, because she can go on social media and really connect with her constituents and people even outside of her district, people all across the country. Um, there, was, there were reports earlier in the campaign about how the Trump campaign was doing more targeting 
using Facebook, using social media than the than the Biden campaign was earlier. And that may not may not have been the same late in the campaign, maybe not the last month or two months. But there was there was some talk about that. So we, we have to understand. And, and also during the, the other thing is during the pandemic is um, part of it. But people consume media differently than they did uh, in 1973, when Mayor Coleman Alexander Young was elected mayor of Detroit. And today is the anniversary, November 6, 1973, is the anniversary of Mayor Coleman Alexander Young being elected as the first black mayor of Detroit. I just want to say that. But we have to understand how things change, and you have to understand how to run, the, how to run your campaign based upon the landscape and what's available, the tools that are available right now. When she talked about defund the police, um, for some well, first of all, I've said this before. The terminology is wrong. Uh, you should talk about uh, reducing responsibility and reallocating resources. I understand the sentiment from some people, but for some people's districts, that don't play well. Okay, but other people's districts, it does play well. But I think uh, I think what she said is uh, something extremely important. But a lot of these campaigns also have to bring on, and this is something that we really have to push. And I told my listeners last night on my show. This has to be a thorough reconstruction, brother. These next four years, these next, especially the first right. two, because we don't know if we're going to maintain the House in uh, the 2022 midterm election. This has to be a third reconstruction where uh, as many policies as we negotiated and were promised to us, we get pushed through the House and the Senate in signing the law. The 192 uh, executive orders that Donald Trump signed in, signed in the law, most of those need to be reversed. But the other thing is the contracts for African-American consulting firms and, and money going to uh, black media, things like this. That has to be rammed through, just like uh, Republicans rammed through Amy Coney Barrett nine days before the uh, uh, presidential election. Great point. Folks, got to go to a break. Yeah. We come back. Deconstruct Bob Johnson's appearance on CNBC. I just want y'all to understand the facts about black folks, Democratic Party, Republican Party in the future. That's next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. There are so many things that have happened that if we don't see them for what they are, this is just going to continue to, you know, get out of control. If I don't actually say, hey, I'm going to commit to registering 10 people to vote. Right. And that's the thing I think is that we get so hung up on the big picture. Mm -hmm. You know, the big picture matters, but it only matters when we all do small things. Right. That's how it happens. It's not, hey, let's just post on Twitter and post on Instagram because yes, social media is huge, we know it, but we have to actually get out there and walk the walk. The numbers prove it. Mm. Millennials are the largest group in America, they're now larger than baby boomers, and if, if you don't use your power, they will run you over. Completely. And I think that's why what we're seeing so much, especially when you look at, you know, who's controlling the country and how the country is being controlled, it is because, you know, the powers that be and those that know how the system works are taking advantage of the system for their own interests. So part of it when it comes to this millennial generation is education. You gotta understand why it's so important, understand what's really at stake. So the things that you're seeing, that they may be seeing right now that make you angry, here's how you can affect change. And what I love is that what you're seeing, what's coming out of Parkland, you know, is these, this, these younger group, you know, of millennials becoming much more politically savvy, much more politically activated and organized. Right. 
organization is key. It's like, you know, an ant by itself can't do anything, but ants working together, you know, can do things well beyond their own capacity. And I think the same thing goes for this younger generation to become united and active guys on what's happening. And what I love what you're seeing right now is that when you look at a Taylor Swift, right, or you look at a Rihanna, or you look at those like a Kerry Washington, this generation, which gets so much inspiration from entertainment, mm -hmm. You know, this generation is influenced. I mean, it, every generation has their influence. Yep. But I would argue, by and large, when you talk about Harry Belafonte or you talk about, you know, how it was, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, there was, you know, you had the entertainers, you, you had the church, you had the activists. In our day and time, you know, the church is somewhat oh, losing it's, its, its, its influence. Entertainment influence is growing. The activists are losing their influence. So where do most, you know, this younger generation go? They go to entertainment. You know, and so the influencers entertainment can actually move the needle. And when you see people be, become active, I love how this younger group of people are saying, wait a minute. We don't like what just happened with Kavanaugh. We're gonna do something about it. We don't like the fact that there's no gun control. We're gonna do something about it. And I do think that as tragic as these events are, they are becoming more galvanizing to get this younger group of voters, which is so influential, to get out and do what we know they can do, which is to help move the needle in a, in a massive way. All right, folks, let's talk um, a little uh, deconstruction here. Bob Johnson, founder of BET, was on CNBC Today talking about black voters in the election. Listen to what was said. Well, I'm still bullish on the uh, president's agenda. I mean, if you, if you think about it, for uh, African-Americans, under Trump's leadership, we had the lowest unemployment rate for black Americans in over 50 years, almost since they've been keeping uh, statistics on it. Uh, we also saw investments in... Uh, black businesses uh, and uh, black communities through the opportunity zones. So you think that's how people were voting? Because there, stop, stop. Okay, so listen, I want y'all, we're going to start and stop, start and stop. So here's the deal. First, black unemployment rate was 16.9% at one point in 2010. By the time President Barack Obama left in 2017, it was 7.5. Trump comes in at 7.5. It goes down to around 5.1%. Uh, in November of 2019, then it begins to trend back up. What's the unemployment rate today among black people? About 14%. So if you examine the four years of Trump, economically it's not been good for black people. He also talked about seeing record investment in black communities through the Opportunity Zones. Sorry, Bob, I have no data. The White House released a report on the Opportunity Zones. I have it. There's nothing listed in it about that investment. They've said... $10, $11 billion. Trump has said on the campaign trail, oh, $100 billion invested. There's no documentation. And then there's nothing that says specifically what was invested in African-American communities. Nothing. Zero. I've asked. I specifically sent emails to the White House asking for that very information. No one has provided it. So to say that there's investment in the black community through the Opportunity Zones, that's simply not true. And if it is, Bob, please show us the data. Press play and was actually working for them. I also think black Americans were somewhat lackadaisical about, to say the least, about their support for Joe Biden and by extension, the Democrats' policy. I think uh, black Americans are getting a little bit tired of delivering huge votes for the Democrats and seeing minimal uh, return in terms of economic wealth, the closing the wealth gap, 
the job uh, creation, the job opportunities. And uh, Joe Biden was not an inspiring candidate for uh, many black Americans. And uh, some of them stayed home, some of them voted for Trump. To me, the issue for, for, for the president now is well, obviously he's got to win. And the challenge is going to be uh, overcoming uh, the mail-in ballots uh, that are still to be counted. The difference... Okay, so Bob Johnson talked about being bullish on uh, African Americans. First of all, um, numbers don't lie. Black people delivered the election for Joe Biden. We saw massive turnout across the country, so that's actually not true. Now, you can say people weren't excited about Joe Biden. Who did they vote for? At the end of the day, votes matter. That's one. Two, when he said he's bullish on, the, on, on Trump's economic agenda, but who is it actually helping? Bob has been a billionaire, came off the list when he got divorced from Sheila Johnson, had to split that money half and half. But who's it actually benefiting? If you really want to talk about Trump's economic policies, who's it benefiting? Is it benefiting the top 1% that Bob Johnson's in? Yes. Now, here's the deal. I was texting Bob Johnson earlier today, told him I was going to be doing this, invited him to come on the show to talk about, to share these thoughts. Uh, he didn't. But the reality is this here, Bob. What you're laying out is not, it's not like Trump's economics plan uh, aren't all of a sudden just so great and wonderful. Now, are black people wanting more from the Democratic Party? Hell yes. Absolutely. Do we deserve more? Absolutely. But if you show me where we get more under Democrat or under, uh, or under Donald Trump, mm, Bob, I'm going to have to go with the Democrat. You know why? Because when I, look at the, when I look at the numbers, Bob, the greatest actually opportunity for African Americans economically was under a Democrat, Bill Clinton. Yep. Yeah, that's true. We look at the numbers, the per capita numbers. We look at the, the, the percentage of the people who were actually working. Yep. Black home ownership. Yep. All that. Democratic president. So to somehow suggest that black people have not benefited economically under a Democratic president is just simply false. In fact, the economy has performed better under Democratic presidents in the last 30 years than Republican. I know facts are a little rough. Press play. Says between Black America and White America, if I've got money, White American can suffer a catastrophic loss of, say, the roof being blown off, and having hundred seventy thousand dollars, they can fix it. A Black family with seventeen thousand dollars, if all of a sudden they have a catastrophic event in their house or in their appliances that they need to you know, keep food in the refrigerator and it breaks down. $3,000, $4,000 refrigerator is a emotional impact on a black family who has no access to capital to solve that catastrophic challenge. So, so to me, what I look for for progressive and liberals is, is to say, look, what do black Americans really need? It's capital, access to capital, access to opportunity, that gives them a chance to uh, deliver all that they want out of the American dream. Nobody speaks to that. They speak to uh, you know, voter suppression, yes. They speak to uh, police brutality. All these things are valid. But America is a capitalist nation, and in a capitalist nation, value is measured by your access to opportunity and the right to compete and achieve. And that's what... Okay, so let, 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 allow me to unpack that. 
Uh, first and foremost, uh, I've made the point to African-Americans on this show in forums. I did so when I was in Indianapolis uh, at the um, at the State of Black America deal that was put on there by, by the Stewart brothers, that African-Americans should be making economics one of our top issues. That and we, and What he said, the issue that we put in front, we don't. I said we should do that. But what he said, we should be talking about access to capital and opportunities. Did y'all realize that under President Obama and Joe Biden, those eight years, that the federal government recorded the percentage of minority contracts around 23%. That was the goal set. They exceeded that. That five, remember in the Trump's plan, he mentioned the 500 million. That's really the federal contracting program. Ice Cube kept saying he got Trump to commit to 500 billion for black people. No, he didn't. The 500 billion was really the federal contracting program. In that program, in the last, but before Trump, they exceeded 23%. Guess what happened when Trump became president, y'all? They stopped recording the data. So the reality is right now, we don't even know the percentage that minorities are getting in federal contracting because Donald Trump and his people absolutely refuse to even share the information. Joe Biden said there was, excuse me, Bob Johnson said there was no plan from Joe Biden, an economic plan dealing with African-Americans. Go to my iPad. This literally is a plan. It was released in May of 2020. It's called Lift Every Voice, the Biden Plan for Black America. If you go through this plan, I mean, like, literally, if you go through it, advance the economic mobility of African-Americans and close the racial wealth gap, wealth and income gaps, it, it, it lays it out right there. When you go through this particular plan, help families buy their first homes, tackle racial bias that leads to homes and communities of color being assessed by appraisers below fair, fair value, roll back Trump administration policies, gutting fair lending and fair housing protections, uh, give local officials the tools and resources they need to combat gentrification. I mean, you can go uh, strengthen and expand the Community Reimbursement Act to ensure that our nation's banks and non-bank financial service institutions are serving uh, all communities. Establish a $100 billion affordable housing fund to construct and upgrade affordable housing. Uh, it goes promote more equitable wealth building and a more secure retirement. Equalize the tax benefits of defined contribution plans. I mean, this thing goes on and on. Expand access to higher quality education and tackle racial inequity in our education system. It goes, it's 22 pages. Donald Trump's plan, y'all, was literally two. It was really one. We had a cover sheet and it was one. So to say there's no plan, that's simply not true. Also, by the way, housing dropped to its lowest level since 1968 under Trump, 40.9% in 2019. Have y'all seen Trump's housing plan? I haven't. Press play. What the black community, in my opinion, wants to hear. Bob, do you think that four more years of Donald Trump is a good thing for the black community? I'll put it this way. Uh, based on if you take the past four years, the answer would be yes. If you take the uh, notion that Trump is focuses on building the economy, uh, building manufacturing, uh, creating more jobs, then the answer again is yes. Come on, right there. Moody Analytics did an analysis of Trump's economic plan and Biden's economic plan. It said that Biden's economic plan would produce 7 million more jobs than Trump's economic plan. 7 million more. 
Donald Trump pop traumas promised, what, three million new black jobs? Y'all, we lost more black jobs because of COVID. So please explain to me how you're going to bring those jobs back. Especially when, when upwards of 50% of black businesses went out of business because of COVID-19. Press play. And so to me, I, I'm not fearful that a Trump reelection is going to be a, an assault on the political, cultural, social rights of black Americans. Stop right there. In fact, I want y'all to rewind that. I want you to go back to that part right there. I want you to bring it right back. I need everybody listening to what he just said. And let me know when y'all ready to play and go ahead and press play. Re-election is going to be a, an assault on the political, cultural, social rights of black Americans. Stop. He said he wasn't worried, in his opinion, that Donald Trump winning the next four years would not be an assault on the political, political, social, cultural, and economic rights of black people. If you got almost a billion dollars, you don't care about the court, federal court system. If you got that kind of money, you're not worrying about the use of federal uh, private prisons. You're not worried about no police consent decrees. You're not worried about U.S. attorneys charging to the high extent for weed and other marijuana laws, Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr. Let me also help y'all out. Not only the federal contracting decreased for, for minor, black and minority businesses, the Trump administration went back to bundling large contracts, which meant that you were a small firm, you couldn't compete for those large contracts. How in the world? Let me also, he said, I want y'all to roll that back one more time. Because y'all, he said the political, social, cultural. Go ahead and roll it back, hit play. Then the answer again is yes. And so to me, I, I'm not fearful that a Trump reelection is gonna be a, an assault on the political, cultural, social rights of black Americans. Come and stop. The Trump administration is leading voter suppression. Republicans refuse to vote on the John Lewis uh, bill to fix the Voting Rights Act. That's an assault on the political rights of African-Americans. The Trump administration has done nothing about environmental racism. And in fact, they have allowed companies to just pollute even more so. Environmental racism affects the environment of black people. It affects our communities and our neighborhoods. Not the one Bob lives in, but the ones that our families live in. We can go through, again, Trump's court system. Trump has gutted civil rights uh, all across the federal agencies. He's gutted diversity training. So Bob, how could you come to the conclusion that four more years of Donald Trump would not somehow affect black people? If Donald Trump got four more years, he would be able to appoint 200 more federal judges. There are only 900. He will appoint half of the federal judiciary in America. These would be people 30 to 45 years old. Bob, you don't think that has an impact on black people? Press play. 
Uh, it didn't show up in the past four years in terms of economic opportunity. You know? And so to me, I don't see what the black community has gotten over the past uh, eight years of democratic leadership or what, as I said, Joe Biden's put on the table. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard things like uh, reparations. Well, I can guarantee you that there will be no reparations bill coming out of uh, Joe Biden's uh, if he's elected, because it won't it won't pass the House, it won't pass the Senate, because this country does not really believe in reparations. Okay, see now I'm confused. Now, this is the last point right here. I'm going to bring my panel in. I'm really confused right here. Go to my iPad for this headline. BET founder Robert Johnson calls for 14 trillion in reparations for slavery. So Robert Johnson hits Biden on reparations, but then turns right back around and says, Michael, that the votes are not there, so therefore they won't vote for reparations. So you're so let me just get this straight. So, 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 you're, so you, Bob Johnson, have called for reparations. You're criticizing Biden because he has not embraced reparations. Yet you, Bob Johnson, then admit in the very same conversation that the vote's reparations are not there. So if you're Bob Johnson, excuse me, if you're Joe Biden and the votes are not there for reparations, why would you actually include it in your plan And then Bob Johnson says that America's not ready to go there. Mm -hmm. So why would Joe Biden put it in his plan if he knows the same thing that you know? What you heard there was, and again, I invited Bob to come on the show to discuss this. What you heard there is an African-American of means Mm -hmm. who doesn't have to be concerned with any of these things down here on the ground because he's operating financially in a world where he is completely, completely separated and sheltered from everything else. Yep. Bob, when you're on private planes, you're not worrying about police brutality. You're not, when you're living on with multiple houses on islands, you're not actually worried about um, racism by TSA, about flight attendants on planes. And so I take exception to so many things that he says because the data is simply not there to back it up. Michael, then Niambi. Yeah. Well, Roland, uh, you know, he said he said a lot, brother. Let me let, let's break this down very quickly here. Page 22 of, of Biden's plan to empower black America, tackle systemic racism and support a study of the continuing impacts of slavery. OK, now, Bob Johnson is partly correct where he said the votes are not there in the House and the Senate right now, because Moscow Mitch McConnell already said if he stays in the majority leader, reparations is dead on arrival in the in the Senate. But Donald Trump is against reparations. This is what I understand. Donald Trump is against reparations. Donald Trump doesn't even want to uh, support HR 40. Okay. Then we talk. Then we look at African American owned businesses. Forbes.com uh, had the article uh, back in August. 
uh, dealing with how 41% of Black-owned businesses have gone out of business since April of this year because of the coronavirus economy is probably at least 50% now. When we look at opportunity zones, you posted the article uh, also, uh, Roland, Trump's unsupported claim about opportunity zone investments from fatcheck.org. You posted that a few weeks ago. Totally unsupported. Is totally not only is it totally unsupported. When you actually read this, the hundred billion dollars that Trump is throwing around as an investment, that's over. That's over the course of uh, uh through twenty twenty eight. That's through the year twenty twenty eight. But that's a hundred billion dollars. And, and that's not even program. real. That's not even real investment. That's what we think yeah. might happen. Exactly. That's what we think. That's what we think might happen, okay? And then you look at the uh, article from uh, October 23rd, 2020 from NBCnews.com. Trump is touting Opportunity Zones as a huge success with no proof. This, so, you, you, it, it, so this doesn't make sense. Now, when you read the statements that Bob Johnson made about reparations, I read them. They didn't make, they, I read them. He talked about $14 trillion, right? When you read what he says about it, he says that will mainly go back into the economy and support black-owned businesses. Well, 97% of our dollars are spent with people that don't look like us. So what he's saying is reparations is largely going to benefit white businesses. That's what he's saying. When you go read his comments, okay? Then lastly, I'll leave it with this, brother. Bob Johnson didn't talk about the devastating impact that coronavirus has had on African Americans. When you look at just uh, uh, earlier this, uh, October 16, 2020, 8 million Americans slipped into poverty amid coronavirus pandemic, new study says. The majority of them were African-Americans and Hispanics. When we look at the devastating impact that uh, coronavirus has had, means of uh, you still have about 25 million people unemployed, a lot of them African-Americans, losing health insurance. Uh, 20% of the 236,000 deaths are African-American. Notice how he doesn't even talk about the devastating impact that coronavirus has had on us. So he's totally out of touch, okay? You know, I, I, I applaud him for taking the $500,000 investment from uh, John C. Malone, I think it was, that invested early on in BET, okay, and, and, and building the, the, the empire. I, but when you get people like this, brother, and they talk about the black community, they don't live in the black community usually. So they're but, totally but, out but, of touch. But, 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 but Naomi, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't think this has anything to do with reparations or policy. I think Bob Johnson is thinking with his wallet. And quite frankly, most people, Black or otherwise, don't have access to the level of wealth and the level of insulation that Bob Johnson has. And I'll pick up on a bead that Michael was talking about with the coronavirus. One of the things besides the dead, we don't know what's going to happen to the long-term coronavirus injured, many of whom are Black and brown people, and we don't know what their health outcomes are going to look like, much less whether they can get employed again if they are able to maintain or have employment. So I think Bob Johnson here is talking in circles. What he wants to say is, Donald Trump is good for me financially, and I like him. And, and this has nothing to do with other black people. And that's what. And, and that's it. And that's what Bob should really just say: "It's good for me. It's good for me. It's, a ri- it's good for me as a rich guy. It really ain't about us." Folks, I certainly appreciate uh, y'all being on the show. Rob had to go. Niambe, Michael, thank you so very much for joining us on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Folks, don't forget it. If you want to support what we do here, Roller Martin Unfiltered, breaking things down like this, please, because y'all see the CNBC anchor. She she couldn't break any of that stuff I just laid out because she ain't know none of it. That's why these shows matter. Support us on Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, please. Uh, of course, you can also go to uh, paypal.com forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. 
I'll drop the lower third, please. And Venmo.com forward slash is RM Unfiltered. You will live slow with it. Uh, then, of course, you can mail a money order to New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. All right, folks, we're going to keep you all up to date on what's happening with the election. Uh, here we go to my iPad here. Look, here's the deal. Donald Trump is trying to get them uh, to stop the balloting there uh, in Pennsylvania. Here's the deal, y'all, real simple. Even if, if you look at Georgia, look at the map right here. If Joe Biden keeps his lead in Arizona, he is in Nevada as well, he doesn't need Pennsylvania, North Carolina, or Georgia. He'll be sitting at 281 electoral college votes. Simple as that. We'll keep you abreast. Y'all have a great weekend. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.